0: You guys like my, uh, whoops, you guys like my bathrobe? Some of you are wondering, what is he wearing? Okay. Uh, Hugh Hefner, some have called me. But I, uh, I got this like three or four years ago in Memphis, Tennessee at the store that used to make the clothes for Elvis Presley. And what they do is they take a bunch of old ties. This is made out of old ties. And then they uh, sew them together and they make a, make a bathrobe. And um, maybe in a few moments, it'll make sense why I'm wearing it on this Good Friday, uh, other than just to show off the fine quality. But I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk to you about why, why do we call it Good Friday? So if you pull out the outline or open up the program, the outline's inside there. And why is it Good Friday? I mean, when Jesus suffered in such a horrible way, and so many dreams seem to be dashed. Why is is it called Good Friday? Well, here's what I put in your outline. It's because it's on that Friday that God really expressed his love. It's on Good Friday when God really expressed his love. The world was without hope, really didn't uh, have any hope for eternity, didn't have any hope for today, and God says, I'm going to do something about that because You know, if you read in the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, we screwed up. Adam and Eve blew it, and as a result, we've all blown it. And God says, I'm going to do something about that. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to go to the cross. And so it's on that day when we really see his expression of love. That's why we call it Good Friday, because we kind of get a glimpse, at least, of of how much God loves us. And we see it in a verse that I can almost guarantee you're probably familiar with, maybe not, but even if you don't hang out at the church, you've probably heard someone talk about this verse, John 3:16. It says, for this is how God, what? Love. Yeah, this is how God loved. And what was that expression of love? How is it that God loved? God loved the world. Who's the world? Yeah, it's you. It's it's, it's me. For this is how God loved. This is how God expressed his love. This is how God shared his love. This is how God showed his love to the world is he gave, and what did he give? His one and only son. And anybody, of course, who believes in him is not going to perish, but will have eternal life. Good Friday is when God expressed his love. And this is the way I put it in your outline. And Good Friday is a reminder that our greatest responsibility as a church, a family that's called Potential, and as a Christ follower, our greatest responsibility is to love. The Scripture says that God is love. And when it talks about that, it's talking about what he did on Good Friday. And so he expressed his love by going to the cross, and then he gives us the responsibility to love in the same way. Look with me again in John chapter 13 and verse 34. He says, so now, this is Jesus speaking, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Love each other. Well, that's not the new part. It's all throughout the New Testament that we're supposed to love one another. Here's the new part. Just as I have loved you, should you love each other. So, Good Friday, we're all gathered here. It's, you know, 6 o'clock. That's not a time when we all normally get together. And yet we're here to be reminded of His love for us. But it can't just stop there. It can't just end with a celebration of what He did on the cross without being reminded that therefore we have a responsibility as a Christ follower or a believer. And our responsibility is to love in the same way that He did. You know, our world... It's pretty crazy. When you think about all the things that are happening in your community, in your family, that are happening in our world, terrorism, all this stuff that's going on, it's a really crazy world. And I think part of the reason we've ended up where we are is because our world is really all about me, right? I mean, as you were getting ready today, as I was, isn't it easy to think about yourself? Does anybody ever have to tell you to think about yourself? Were you concerned about Stephanie? You met my wife a few moments ago. As you were coming to church, were you thinking, man, I bet that rain's messing up Stephanie's hair, right? (laughs) I mean, were you concerned about her hair or were you concerned about your own? It's just natural, right? There's a normalnessy to putting me first. We think about my safety. We live in a world of terrorism. And we think about policies and all these different kinds of things, laws, rules. And we tend to think about my safety. We tend to think about my convenience. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And it's your responsibility to make sure that it fits my schedule. We tend to think about my convenience. We tend to think about my family. And we've probably all heard the saying, well, what's in it for me? If I'm going to do that, if I'm going to be there, if I'm going to give this, if I'm going to go over there, if I'm going to help, what, what's in it for me? I got to thinking, we steal from one another, we lie to one another, we bully one another, and we hurt one another, but it's not often enough that we actually do what Jesus asked us to do, which is simply to love one another, and yet that's what today's all about, it's a reminder. It's a reminder that no matter what your family looks like, whether you got a husband and a wife and a bunch of kids, or whether you're here by yourself, it doesn't matter where you work, it doesn't matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter how old or young that you are, that we all have this responsibility to love one another. I wrote in my journal as I was kind of thinking about this, I think what Paul said a thousand years ago, we need to hear again on this Good Friday. So if you want to. Write it down so you can read it later. I think it's in your outline. Romans chapter 13. Look at what Paul says. He says, what's the first word? Yeah, love your neighbors as yourself. Now, he's quoting what Christ said. He says there's a whole bunch of commandments and a lot of stuff going on. He says, but you can narrow down everything Jesus said with this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. He says, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself, but you got to be aware about what's going on in the world right now. He says, the hour has already come for you to do what? Wake up. No, no, that's not the way you get somebody up, is it? Right? I mean, you don't go in with your kids and say, wake up. All right? Or your spouse. No, no. It, it, he says, the hour has already come for you to do what? Wake up. Look to the person beside you. Look at them. All right? Now tell them to wake up. Yeah, wake up from this slumber. So that Paul is making the assumption that you and I are asleep because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over and the day is almost here. What's Paul, what's he mean by all that? He's basically just saying this, it's urgent. the, The time of the end, it's getting nearer nearer to whether it be whether Christ's return or whether it be the end of your life or when my heart stops beating. He says you need to wake up. You need to wake up and love one another. He says so put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Take off your bathrobe and put on your daytime clothes is basically what he's saying. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Now If you think about what Paul's saying uh, you know, over a thousand years ago, I think it speaks to us today that we're to love one another, to help one another, forgive one another, feed one another, and maybe most important of all, not maybe, most important of all, we're to share the good news with one another. The good news that Jesus did come and he did die on a cross to express his love. And he was buried, but on the third day, the stone rolled away and he walked out alive. All right. That's the good news. And that's that expression of love. But in order to do those things, love one another, serve one another, help one another, share with one another, we got to wake up. We have to wake up. That's what Paul's saying. It's kind of this sense of urgency. Now, I I grew up in Arkansas. Okay, I was born in Michigan, but I grew up in Arkansas. And here in South Florida, we have uh, hurricanes. But you see hurricanes, or you see at least the storms, come off the coast of Africa. And you spend the next couple of weeks preparing, trying to decide, you know, is it going to hit us or Key West or, you know, praying that somebody else will be destroyed, not you. you But tornadoes are not like that. And that's what we had in Arkansas. They're getting better at predicting them and drawing little cones and stuff. But I can't tell you how many times when I was growing up in the middle of the night, we would hear these sirens. Because on the telephone pole they had these big horns, these big sirens, and the police cars would drive up and down, you know, through the community. It was just a small community saying that there was a tornado warning, and so this siren would go off, woo, woo, and I mean it's just a horrible, horrible sound. We would jump up, we'd go either go into the bathroom, get in the bathtub, put our mattress over our head, or mom would send us into the into the closet so that we could be safe from the tornado. Well, that's really what Paul's doing here. He's sounding the alarm. He's saying, hey, you need to wake up. You need to, this is serious, because there's a tendency for us just to be asleep. And have you ever noticed you can be awake, but not be awake? I remember when I was in college, and I was playing basketball, and I I didn't, you know, I didn't want to miss my first class. I, it was like the first week of school or so, and so I was nervous about it, and I set my alarm, and I, I had an 8 o'clock class, and I just, and so I woke up, and I got up, I took a shower, I got dressed, I got my, you know, my books and my backpack. I walked down, left the dorm, and I'm walking through campus, and I, and I think to myself, it seems awfully dark, you know, for 8 o'clock in the morning or 7.30, and well, where is everybody? And I don't know why, but it was at that moment after I was dressed outside of the dorm on my way to class that I looked at my watch and realized it was 3 (laughs) a.m. In other words, I had gotten up and gotten dressed. I was awake, but I wasn't really awake. Why is it so difficult to wake up? I mean, why does Paul have to sound an alarm? Why couldn't he just say, hey, you need to love one another. You need to help one another. You need to care for one another. You need to express love in the same way Christ did when he died on the cross because that's the responsibility we have as Christ followers. Why does Paul have to sound the alarm? Why does he have to turn on the sirens? Why is it so difficult to wake up? I think there are a couple of reasons, and I'll share them with you real quick. I think the first one is, is we don't want to admit we're asleep. Have you ever had somebody call you in the middle of the night? And you pick up the phone, you know, and, and, and the first thing they say, if they call you in the middle of the night, and it's not an emergency, the first thing they say is, did I wake you up? <laughs> and how does everybody answer? No. No, what, what, I mean, why would I be asleep at 2 o'clock in the morning? All right? No, I was reading. I was studying the Bible. You know, I was praying. I, you know, I was watching TV, you know. No, we, we, we have a heart. for some reason, we think it's weak to say, yeah, buddy, it's 2 a.m., I was asleep. No, no, it's difficult to admit. And I think the reason Paul had to turn on the siren is because when it comes to love, it's difficult for us to admit. It's difficult for us to admit that we're asleep when it comes to really loving one another. We want to think that we're awake and vibrant when what the Scripture says and what Paul says is you need to wake up. And so I, I just want to run through these real quick according to Corinthians, or excuse me, Romans 13. I think, first of all, we're asleep to our aimlessness. Look what he says in verse 13. Remember, he said six different things. And the first thing he said is carousing and drunkenness. Carousing and drunkenness. The, carousing is a sense, a, a Greek word, you know, just kind of means wandering around. Just kind of getting into trouble. You ever had your parents say nothing good happens after midnight, you know? Just kind of carousing. And drunkenness is when you're no longer in control. Something other than you is in control. And so it's kind of leading you in a million different directions. You don't think of people who are drunk as being real productive, do you? And so I think that what Paul is saying is that we're unwilling to admit that we're asleep to the reality that we have an aimlessness about us. In other words, we're not living life intentionally. We get up and we just kind of go through the motions of the day. We just happen to end up where we end up. There's not a great intentionality about the way that we live life. There's not a a great uh, intentionality about the fact that the scripture says we were created with a purpose that God gave us a destiny with something of significance to accomplish and to be a part of, is that your life matters and that you can make this incredible difference in the world, not someone else but you. And what Paul's saying is you need to wake up because what is an incredible expression of love is you being who God created you to be. It takes courage to be who you were created to be. It takes courage to live life with an intentionality. And here's what Paul said. The same man who wrote this. He says, you know what? I live life with focus in every step. He says, I'm not like a boxer just boxing at the wind with no intentionality in in each punch. I think Paul said, hey, you need to wake up. Your life matters. Your days matter. Your hours matter. This year matters. What are you doing with it? How intentional are you with your gifts and your talents and your resources? I think Paul's saying we need to wake up and live life with an intentionality and just kind of stop sleepwalking because it's amazing how quickly time passes, isn't it? I mean, it seems like we just got, you know, put down our Christmas decorations and now we're going easter egg bunny hopping hunting or no you don't hunt the bunnies you hunt the, the eggs but, but that right i mean it seems like we're just wrapping presents and now we're painting eggs uh, it, it's so quick it says there needs to be an intention now. and we just have a hard time admitting that most of us wouldn't say i'm aimless yeah I'm just, i just kind of sleep walking most it, and that's why it's hard to wake up that's why paul had to sound the alarm it's because it's hard for us to admit these things And yet these are what Paul says are our opportunities to express God's love for one another is by being who God created you to be. I think, secondly, look what he said in verse 13. He talked about sexual immorality and debauchery. Sexual immorality and debauchery. And here's the way I put it, as I think we're asleep to our abuse. And of course, sexual immorality, the Greek word there literally means bed. It's all kinds of sexual sin, and then debauchery is a very ugly um, Greek word, I guess would be the best way to say it, and it means shameless. In other words, there's no, uh, there's no understanding of, of what we're doing to one another, and, and the reason I put abuse is I didn't necessarily mean that we are physically abusing one another. But when you think about sexual sin, and when you think about debauchery, the lack of shame, you really think about how easy it is for us just to use and abuse one another, right? Because sexual sin is about what? It's about my pleasure. It's not about you. It's not about what the Scripture—it's about my pleasure. That's why the the Bible warns about lust, because what is lust? Lust is about my satisfaction, And Paul writes all about sexual intimacy in 1st Corinthians and he says that in reality my body's not my own it's my spouse's and my spouse's body is not theirs it's it's mine and so there's this great sense of unity and there's this great sense of love but we're asleep to the fact that we just kind of use one another you know do we use one another in order to get to where we want to go to do what we want to do and not just in uh, the sphere of, of sexuality but we step on one another to get to where we want to in the company. We use one another, even in the family sometimes, to have the experience that we want to have or do what we want to do. And Paul says, we have got to wake up. You've got to wake up to the fact that, that to ab- abuse one another in this kind of way. A- and here's, so here's what I put. We need to wake up and honor one another. Honor one another, lift up one another, because that's the expression of love. That's why Paul's saying this. He's saying, hey, wake up. Where'd the honor go? Where'd the honor go that children have for their parents? Where did the honor go that parents have for authority, which includes school teachers? Right? We live in a world that no longer honors one another. What we, we live in a world where it's about what you do better make me happy. And if it doesn't, then I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make sure me and my family are taken care of. And Paul's saying, hey, that's not love. You need to wake up and honor one another. That's what Good Friday is about. It's about being thankful, yes, for what he did on the cross. But see, it's so easy to just leave Jesus up on the cross and celebrate the fact that our sins are forgiven. And that is true, but that is not all that Good Friday is about. Good Friday is about then you and I picking up the responsibility to love one another as Christ did. And in order to do that, that means that we, like him, Paul said it like this I am crucified with Christ. In other words, I have to die to my desires in order to honor you. Because you know who the easiest person in the world for me to honor? Me. I think I'm pretty cool. Did you see my bathrobe? All right. Right? So I have to die to me in order to honor you. and In 2016, you know where you can see it? The freeway, right? Do we honor who, who, who's priority on the freeway? Right? right, right. I, I just got to tell you, I just, let me get this off my chest. We got to hurry, but let me get this off my chest. The most frustrating thing for me on the freeway is, is when there is an exit up there. And there's a lot of people that want to take that exit, and so there's a long line of people waiting to take that exit. And somebody in this lane right over here thinks that all of us in line are not important. And so they zoom by, turn on their blinker, and then force their way in. Oh, that makes me mad. (laughs) Right? But isn't that, but we're all tempted to do that, right? We're all tempted, and what would we call that? We'd call it just simple dishonor, right? It's that all of these people are not as important or as smart as I am. And so, listen, but on the freeway, we can see it, but we do it in so many different areas of our lives. We zoom by everybody else and then cut right in front of them. And Paul's saying, wake up, that's not love. That's why the world is not impressed by the fact that we call ourselves Christ followers because Christ followers truly are reminded of the responsibility of Good Friday to love one another and to honor one another. We're asleep to the fact that we often abuse one another. And then lastly, he said dissension and jealousy. And and the words there carry the idea of, of having a difficult time with someone else succeeding. And it's the idea of just you know continuing to pull one another down. We're asleep to our own selfishness, because again, I don't think many of us would say, "Oh, I'm selfish." Yeah, yeah, right here. That's why Paul has to sound the siren, because we're snoring on that. We see it in the lives of others, but we seldom see it in our own lives. And so Paul wakes up and he says, "You know what? You need to do. You need to be generous. You need to be giving." Giving of your time, giving of your relationships, giving of your knowledge, giving of your resources. You need to to be generous. Because a person of generosity in all the different areas of their lives is an expression of God's love. Because remember what it said, for God so loved the world, He what? He gave. And then remember what He said in John 13, 34. I'm going to give you a new commandment. In the same way that I have loved you, you should love the world. See, I I think the reason that it's so difficult is because, to be honest, we have a hard time admitting, I know I do, that I'm asleep sometimes. I sleep to my selfishness, I sleep to my uh, uh, abuse. But I think there's a second reason, and we'll finish up with this, is I think, and it's the reason I'm kind of wearing the (laughs) bathrobe, is I think, it's not that we're bad or evil, I just think, we're comfortable. I think the reason it's so difficult to get up is we're just comfortable. That's why, look what he says in Revelation, all right? Revelation chapter 3. He says, I know your deeds. This is Jesus speaking. I know your deeds. Whoops, I almost turned the TV off there. I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold. Now, I wish you were one or the other, but he says you're just comfortable right? You're just just comfortable. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to do what? You know what the Greek word means? Regurgitate. It says, I'm about to throw you up. You make me sick to my stomach. You're so comfortable. He goes on to say, here I am. I stand at the door. And I'm going to knock, and if anyone hears my voice, and they open the door, I'll come in, I'll eat with them, and they can eat with me. I think the reason that Paul sounded the alarm, the reason it's so difficult for us to get up, and the reason we need to be reminded on this Good Friday that our responsibility is to express the same kind of love that Jesus did on that Good Friday is because we're just too comfortable, first of all, too comfortable to share the good news. Right? I mean, it's not that we don't want people to go to heaven. It's just, we're so comfortable, right? It's uncomfortable to tell somebody about Jesus. I mean, when you think about Easter, or you think about inviting them to church even, as Tyler talked about last weekend. I mean, a lot of us intended on inviting people, but we just never got around to it because, well, it's uncomfortable. How are they going to respond? What are they going to say? What are they going to think? What are they going to do? And even going one step further than that, you know, when's the last time you actually shared your story as a Christ follower? In other words, you actually led them through the process of trusting Christ, experiencing salvation, forgiveness, eternity, all the things that the Bible talks about and have to do with Easter. Again, I don't think it's because we're bad, we're just comfortable. It's just so uncomfortable to talk to someone about Jesus. It's just not politically correct. That's that's why Jesus says, you know what, you just kind of make me sick. And I think the reason that we need this big alarm is because we're just comfortable. We don't even realize it. Just kind of sitting back, right? We're living life. We'll turn the channel so they can watch a religious program. But I mean, do we actually get up? Tell them ourselves? Even here at Potential Church, one of the things we talk about a lot is baptism. And, and you know why we do? It's because, you know what baptism is? Baptism is a, the first way, according to the scripture, it's the first thing God asks us to do. And it's the first way in which we tell other people about Jesus. Baptism's really not about you, it's about others. Did you know that? Baptism is a picture of the old you died, and now as you come out of the water, it's a picture of I am a new creature. Man, I am on a new purpose, a new direction. I have a new heart. I am forgiven. Second chance, starting again. That's what baptism is. And yet some of us, because it's just uncomfortable, right? The time hasn't been right. I mean, I, I know Easter, but it's sunrise, for goodness sake. This is South Florida. We don't get up till a lot later than that. Right? Again, it's not that you're bad. It's not that I'm bad. We're just asleep. We're just too comfortable. And so we'll wait, what, until the right time, and then we'll get baptized. When everything is right and everything's the way that it needs to be, and Paul is sounding this alarm, and he is saying, don't you realize every day the time is running out for people? Just get uncomfortable. Step into that water follow them in Christ. wine, Not for yourself, but because that is a testimony to everyone about what Easter's really all about. That's the reason we do a sunrise. I mean, we're, we're going to do a sunrise service, and then after, you know, all the services tomorrow and everything and today, then come here and do whatever it is, five, six services. I can promise you there's not a pastor on staff saying, woo. <laughs> They've all been baptized, all right? <laughs> Most of them, okay? (laughs) Why? Why? Why do we talk? Because it's a way for you and me. It's a way for us to share our faith. You see that card in your program. It's the only card in your program. There's a sign-up for baptism. It's to challenge you to get uncomfortable. Get out of your recliner. Take off your bathrobe. Wake up. Tell somebody about Christ by doing what Jesus said was a way in which to, to share it with our mouths, with our lives, and with baptism. I think the other thing I I put down there is that we get too comfortable to serve. Right? I mean, again, a lot of times preachers like to make uh, us out to be bad people. And and I just think we're comfortable people. I mean, it's not that we don't want to serve. It's just, it's uncomfortable. Get here early and serve or, Serve in some other type or some other way. Did you know the week of Easter? You know what Jesus was doing? He took off his robe, got down on his knees, he washed the disciples' feet, and then he stood up and he said, You know what, guys? What I just did is what I, you ought to do. Go you know, serve one another. Serve one another. We're just comfortable, right? I mean, I mean, yeah, comfortable. I mean, that means I. I uh, you're going to get around to it one day, right? One of these Easter's, you're going to serve. One of these weekends when things slow down, it's just so busy. Comfortable, Troy, the last thing I am is comfortable. So busy. Oh my gosh. All right. I just, the boss says, wake up. Your life is so important, it's so valuable. And not only do you make a difference when you serve, you are missed when you don't. And then lastly, or the last thing I, I, I put down in my journal, is that we're too comfortable to answer the door. Remember what he said in verse 20? I stand at the door and knock. What's he talking about? He's talking about salvation. Some of us are sitting in our recliners. I mean, we're back. And, and we believe there's a God, you know. And, but we've never got uncomfortable enough to get out of the recliner and actually answer the door. We've never made him the master, the CEO, the Lord of our lives. We're looking and comparing ourselves to the people in the recliners around us. Well, I'm better than them. And, you know, I got a nicer recliner than they do. And, you know, uh, just too comfortable. You know, the scripture says that there's going to be a lot of people separated from God eternally. Not because they were the most evil people in their neighborhood. They're just too comfortable. They just never got around to actually trusting Christ. They never got around to making him the master, the CEO, the Lord of their lives. I want to finish. This is what I wrote. On that Good Friday, Jesus got uncomfortable. Wouldn't you agree? The cross was uncomfortable. The cat of nine tails in the back was uncomfortable. Jesus got uncomfortable. And he calls you and I in the comfort we have in Christ. Because we have comfort in him. I mean, he is our peace, he is our joy, he is our hope, he is our future, he is our eternity. But we should live comfortably uncomfortable. Or you could say it this way, we just need to be awake. We read a moment ago, Romans 13, I stopped at verse 13, so let's end with verse 14. Rather than all those things, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ clothe yourself. So what, what really does Paul saying? He's saying, well, when it comes right down to it, what we need to do is that we need to take off our sleeping clothes, right? We need to get out of our robe and put on our day clothes. We need to get serious about the fact that we have a purpose. We have uh, a destiny, that our lives matter, that we're awake and we're ready to go at whatever it is that God has for us. Wake up. That's what Good Friday is all about. and It's an expression of His love that awakens us to the responsibility we have. Just love one another. Just just love one another. Would you bow your head? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want to ask you a couple of questions. I ask you, are you... Comfortably uncomfortable. Are you awake? Are you living life intentionally? Are you living life with an honoring heart? Are you living life generously? Are you awake? Are you too comfortable? Too comfortable to share? Too comfortable to serve? Too comfortable to even answer the door? I'm going to challenge you in a few moments that we're going to experience the elements of communion. But before we do, the Bible's clear that we need to prepare ourselves for that. Some of us just need to wake up. Some of us need to answer the door. And if you've never done that, you've never made him the master, the CEO, the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to just simply answer the door. Get out of the recliner and answer the door. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or do anything like that. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. But before I do, if you're here and you'd say, you know what, Troy, I need to answer the door. I need to wake up. Would you just lift your hand and and just put it back down? Say, Troy, I I need to answer the door. Pray with me. Pray for me. Just lift it and put it back down. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's keeping score. Just lift it and put it back down. God kind of nudged your heart. Reminded you what Good Friday's all about stirred you to wake up just lift your hand and put it back down would you do that if you're here and you've never answered the door you've never trusted him as your savior I invite you to just kind of pray quietly right there where you're sitting as I pray out loud because the bible says whosoever calls on the name of the lord that's how we answer the door we surrender all that we are to him and you can do that right where you are. Just say something like this. Just say, Jesus, I'm answering the door. I hear the knock. I'm waking up, and I'm answering the door. Forgive me for doing life my way. I've been too comfortable. I've been asleep. But today I wake up. Transform me, change me, salvage me, renew me. The Bible says when we pray with just a surrendered and simple heart, it seems crazy that such a simple thing could have such an eternal impact. But the Bible says it does. And often I think that's why it's sometimes difficult. So thank him, thank him, thank him for Good Friday. And thank him for reminding us that we need to wake up because there's such an impact that we can have in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give God a hand?